God is good. All the time. What a spread. Thank you to those who brought snacks today. We appreciate it. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. If you're joining us online, hello, welcome to you. It is Tuesday afternoon here, wherever you may be. We ask God's blessings upon you as well. Uh, if, if, if you're joining us online and you're wondering, uh, where was last week's video? Didn't have a video last week. We had some folk under the weather. We had about half our staff out uh, with this, that, and everything. So uh, no video was made. You'll, have to just, you'll just have to read uh, the end of Corinthians on your own. But uh, we're now in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting a new one. Uh, we're, we're meeting this week. We're meeting next week. And then we're off for two weeks. Uh, for the, you know, the day after Christmas, the day after New Year's, uh, Bible study will be on hiatus, but we'll be back uh, uh, right there in January. Uh, but you got, you got us for a couple more weeks, so uh, we look forward to, to our studies together. Let's be a people of prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessings this morning, this afternoon. Lord, I'm a person of habit. I keep saying this morning when I see church folk, but Lord, we know that you're there morning, afternoon, and evening. And when the nights get long, we ask that you be, a, be with us as well. Whether it's loneliness, whether it's just sadness, whether it's just waiting for that one person to call, we ask that you, that you just wrap, it up, wrap us up with your love, with your comfort, with your peace. This Christmas season, as the snow blankets the ground, we just ask that you cover us with, with, with your warmth. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, we are in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting off, uh, starting off uh, with another one of Paul's letters. Paul wrote uh, quite a bit of the New Testament, a prolific writer. Um, so in the, the, the New Testament, we have the Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Do you know what comes right after the, uh, the Gospels? Acts, Acts of the Apostles. What happens? What happens after the story of Christ? And then we get Paul's letters. And they are written, they're, 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 in, they're not in chronological order as much as in length. Romans comes next because Romans is the longest letter that Paul wrote. And then 1 Corinthians, the, s the second longest letter that he wrote. Uh, 2 Corinthians, not so much, but since it's like Corinthians, they put it right next to it. So if you ever wonder what, what order they go in, they go in the order of the longest that, that, he, that he wrote. And then we get some of the pastoral letters toward the end, uh, the ones that we may not know who the author is, like Hebrews. And then we get like Peter, James, John. They, they have some other writings in there as well. Um, but so that's, that's, that's how the New Testament got ordered. And we're going to jump in right now. Let's, let's just do the opening. Verses 1 and 2. Is there a volunteer to read? Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the Church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people throughout Achaia. Achaia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. So Paul's introduction of himself as an apostle, 
is both familiar and necessary because you might remember from 1 Corinthians, he was held in such low regard uh, from them. Um, so again, he just opens it up. Paul, an apostle. <laughs> remember me? Apostle. Uh, you don't have to treat me in high regard, but don't treat me like dirt. Treat me like you would uh, a, a normal apostle. Um, by, the, by the will of God. <laughs> I, I, I love it how he says that. By the will of God. It strengthens the point. The other, the other, apostle, uh, the other apostles, the 12 di uh, disciples, Peter, James, John, Bartholomew, uh, all of them, uh, how, how did they get to become disciples? Jesus, cut, yeah, come forth. They, they knew him. Paul is the one apostle uh, who, was, who didn't know Jesus in the flesh and blood. Paul was called on the road to Damascus, if you know that story. He was knocked off his horse while he was on his way to Damascus to uh, persecute a group called The Way. The early Christian faith was called The Way. Uh, my daughter was trying to figure this out. She was asking me last night, Dad, can you name all, all, all 12 apostles? It's like, I can name 13. She goes, there's not 13. It's like, why? Yeah, they were 12 disciples that we call apostles. And then, then, then Paul. He's, he's, he's the odd one out. Uh, he was not an apostle by his decision or desire of any person, including himself. He's an apostle only by the will and grace of God. Uh, even if the Corinthian Christians held him in low regard, it did not dis dis uh, diminish his standing uh, as an apostle before God. To the church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people, if you got the King James, I think it says, with all the saints, through uh, Achaia. It's remarkable that Paul freely calls the Corinthian saints, considering their many problems. And that's kind of a New Testament idea of saints. Because when you think of saint, what do you think of? How would you define, if a, if a confirmation kid came up to you and said, hey, what's, what's, what's a saint? What would you say? Someone who does good? Okay. okay. Someone who, yeah. <laughs> you got to be dead to be a saint, okay? At least in the Catholic tradition. Someone who follows closely the preaching of Jesus, Okay. All right, give me, uh, give me a name of a saint. St. Peter, Mother Teresa, Andrew, Bartholomew, St. Bart, St. Luke. So, we, so yeah, we got, the, we got the apostles figured out. So the, um, I've never seen a St. Timothy church. Got to get one of them. St. Paul's all over the place. St. Peter's are all over the place. St. Thomas. I've seen a couple St. Thomas Catholic churches. I've been to St. Patrick in, in, uh, there in Dublin. Yeah. Uh, for us, we always think of saints like super saints. Right? People who, they were blessed by God in such a way and they did what they did. And uh, at least in the Catholic Church, they get canonized later because they have to perform two miracles after they're dead. 
uh, in some fashion to be considered to be a saint. Uh, in the more Protestant tradition, we don't go that highfalutin'cy. We go, uh, if, if, you are, if you are a person in the faith, just doing your best, you're a saint. You're a, turn to your neighbor and say, you're a saint. I'll, I'll be expecting those two miracles by the morning, yeah. Brothers and sisters in Christ, that's who we are. So for all the, all the reasons that Paul's going to yell at these people, and he, and he kind of yelled at them in the first letter, he's going to yell at them in this letter. There's actually a letter in between that was really bad, that we don't have, that, that has been lost to time, but according to tradition, it was, he, he let him have it. Uh, so this is actually the third letter, but uh, since it's in the Bible, it's Second Corinthians. Uh, but he still calls them saints, uh, no, matter, no matter who they were, no matter their many problems, um, we're still saints. Got any, got, any, got any sinners in the room? Sinners in the room? Got any saints in the room? I, I think we're a little bit of both, aren't we? There was a, uh, I heard the story from a Native American uh, many years ago, and he said, there's, there's, there's two wolves living inside of you, and one, one wolf is always angry and always, always bitter and is always lashing out, and the other wolf is gentle and kind and tries to help, and uh, you know, you, then you ask the question, well, which, which wolf is going to win? The one you feed. Yeah. Ooh. We're all a little bit of sinners. We're all a little bit of saints. Which, which way do you want to lean? Let's work on that. Yeah. Uh, grace and peace. These are familiar greetings of Paul used in, in, in all of his 13 uh, New Testament letters. Uh, and we, we, never, we never get the impression that they are used insincerely. Grace and peace. Oh, yeah, it's from Paul. He always, he always starts this letter out with grace and peace. That's the way it is. We, we pastors say the same stuff all the time, don't we? God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. Uh, I, I had lunch with some people in, uh, at my last church a couple weeks ago, and they said, that, that new pastor, and granted, it's been like two and a half years now, that new pastor doesn't say your stuff. Let him say his own stuff. You will be blessed by doing something different. Yeah. Uh, from God our Father, this reminds us that we are children of God. Not in the sense that Jesus is, but, uh, but we are sons, by, sons and daughters by election. Not by ancestry, but by adoption. Not by right, but with, uh, with redemption. So that's opening, opening lines. And now we get to a, uh, a section that, if, if you like the word comfort, you're going to like this passage. Sometimes I actually open up some of my funerals with, with these lines. So can we get someone to read verses 3 through 7? Praise be to God of all comfort. Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, 
who comforts us in all of our troubles, so that we may comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope is for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so also shall you share in our comfort. A lot of comforting going on. Paul opens his letter by praising God, who gives so much mercy and comfort to the apostles and all believers. And we kind of get a sense that Paul knows what he's talking about when he talks about he knows both sufferings and, and comfort. Uh, the word comfort uh, in this passage comes from the, from the Greek word uh, paraklesis. Paraklesis. Uh, the idea is it's, it's, it's more than just soothing sympathy. It's, it's, uh, it has this idea of, 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 of strengthening, of, of helping, of making strong. Uh, we get uh, comfort. Um, C-O-M, Comfort. Uh, I'll play with the Greek here. Uh, a lot of the words that... Uh, give, me, give me another word for comfort. Or, I'm sorry. Uh, give me another word that starts with C-O-M. Community. Compassion. Come what? Confounded. <laughs> a lot of times uh, C-O-M means together. Togetherness. Uh, com- we use confounded when we are all confused. Community. Commencement together, walking down, walking down together. Um, there was another uh, one that someone shared. Uh, com- compassion. We have compassion together. We have we have passion together with love. C O M together. Fort. Actually, think military. Just big structure, right? Big structure. Um, uh, Greek, uh, they use the word fortis for brave uh, a lot of times. Uh, comfort is together. Together we will be brave. Together we will, we will stand it out. Together we will be firm. Uh, if you give comfort to someone, you are saying, I, I stand with you or I sit with you, whatever it is that you're doing, uh, but we're in this together. That's comfort. Learned a long time ago that some of the best comforting things that a pastor could do is just be quiet, sit down, and listen. Just comfort. Right? Here was a man, says Spurgeon, who never knew what, but what he might be dead the next day, for his enemies were, were, were many and cruel and mighty. And yet he spent a great deal of his time praising and blessing God and finding comfort. Paul considers the, the father a comforter the paraclesis. The Holy Spirit is also called the paraclete uh, in John. I will bring to you the comforter. And uh, God the Son in some places is also called a paraclete, a comforter in uh, some of the Gospels. Uh, God in every aspect of his being is just, he's full of comfort, strength, and, and, and help for us now. Well, we get this comfort, and our job is not just to sit in comfort, but to share this comfort with others, C-O-M, with community. 
Uh, one great purpose of God in comforting us is enable to bring comfort to others. Um, yep. Our consolation also abounds through Christ. Because Paul's sufferings were the sufferings of Christ, Jesus was not distant from Paul in his trials. He was right there identifying the apostle with comfort and with, with distress. If you follow the Christian faith, faith, will you find distress? Yeah. Will you find comfort? Yeah. A lot of times, yes. Sometimes from the same troubling people I've discovered. Um, yeah, following this Christian faith is hard. It's not easy. God bless you for trying it. God bless me for preaching it. It's, it's tough. Love your enemies as yourself. Lord, do you know my enemies? Lord, tithing, do you know what I make, Lord? It's tough. I have found myself in the position of chaplain for our daughters of the American Revolution. And whenever I am putting out prayers, I always ask for comfort and strength. Because sometimes when we are in grief, in sadness, I find that strength is something that isn't readily there. And if we can pray for that, and God should give that, I always ask that God's will be done. And I did have a lady ask me, well, why would you pray for that? Because to me, that is the utmost. It's his choice. It's not ours. And just as um, Faye's friend has asked that God would take her home, that's one of those things that we don't have any control of. That might, I mean, we want a miracle more than anything, but I don't have the power to grant that. And so God's will be done. And I have learned that in asking for comfort, strength, and God's will, when I am finished sending out this um, plea for prayers, I always have a sense of peace. And that has been so comforting to me. So I feel like I must be doing and asking for the correct things for those people. Thy will be done. I've heard that somewhere in a prayer before. I think we do it every Sunday, don't we? Yeah. I remember. So I used to do youth ministry. Um, I was in youth ministry from 93. 91, uh, 99, 98, no, 2003. Cranky, it was a long time. 2003, uh, they damaged my brain. Um, but I, I remember there was, there was this like 18-year-old kid and 17-year-old uh, girlfriend. And Pastor Mike, she might be pregnant. Can we pray? Like, <laughs> this kid said, I never learned how to pray until this moment. <laughs> Before it was all like in, in, in theory and... When, when, something, when something big comes along, you learn to pray, don't you? Yeah. And uh, the, the prayer that we kind of gave was, uh, Lord, um, and, we, and we made me think of it because you brought up the line, Lord, your will be done. But you know our druthers. 
You know what we'd like this to be. But your will be done. And that parents are cool and, and all that. Um, yeah. But uh, it, it's, it's neat when you hand everything to God. If, if you really hand it over to God, you're not carrying it anymore, are you? No. It is what it is. And Lord, it's going to be what it's going to be. And I, I, I leave it up to you. Do you ever, do you ever, do you ever drive somewhere and you end up being late, and you look at the clock and you know you're going to be late, and so you, I, I don't know about you, but that's just that, that is against one of my my own personal ten commandments, like thou shalt not be late. That's my wife does not have those commandments, uh, but that's something I got. Uh, so I got to get there, 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 and there there comes to point like I'm going to be five minutes late. I'm going to be 10 minutes. And after a while, you're like, you know what? I'm going to be late. So just, just come to peace with that, Pastor Mike. Um, if it's five minutes, 10 minutes. But if, you know, if 20 minutes, all right, it's going to be 20, all right, 20 minutes late. Um, only once have I missed a wedding rehearsal because of lateness. Uh, we had, uh, we had Russia. It was, it was bad traffic. It took me, uh, Two and a half hours to go six miles on the interstate. And uh, I, I called ahead and like, I, I can't. I just can't. <laughs> like, I'm, happy, I, I'm happy to do it over the phone. Well, you can, you're not supposed to talk and drive. I'm not driving. We're parked on I-5. Uh, no. Uh, but it was just that stress all the time. And after a while, you just got to let it go, right? What are you carrying right now? What are you, what are you holding on to that you got to let go? Give it to God. He's, a, he's our comforter. If you let him be, he's not going to take it from you. But if you hand it to him, he'll take it. I was going to say one of the most difficult things that I have had to learn is for some reason, um, my mom taught me to do everything within my power before I go to God. And I'm not sure why. I wish I could ask her that question. But now I've learned, you go to God first. I can pray now. And when I give something to God, you better be ready to give it up. Because if you take it back, that burden is not pleasant. Give it to God and let it go and stop the worrying. I know that that sounds like, well, how did you do that? I, I have learned to say, done, and give it to God. We had a joke at our house, and of course, all of you know I was raised in a Christian home. My dad was a deacon and a Sunday school superintendent and all those things, but he also worried. So we used to tease him because the joke was, well, yeah, dad, sure, why, why worry when you could just pray? <laughs> And he would kind of, you know, give us this little evil eye. <laughs> and But it was a good reminder for him because he had a tendency to worry first. And then, oh, yeah, maybe I should pray. <laughs> but, um, and I think, you know, you inherit your parents' bad habits. And so sometimes I find I have a tendency to do that, even though we've joked with him about that all of his life until he passed away. 
But um, and another thing I wanted to mention, you mentioned adoption. And I don't know if a lot of you know, but you can disinherit your own children, but if you adopt a child, you can never disinherit them, ever. You are stuck with them until the day they die. You cannot disinherit an adopted child. So, so what's True. the lesson here that you're trying to share? So the lesson here, if you are an adopted child of God, you're his. Oh, thank you. All right. <laughs> I was wondering where this was going. Right. So, because you mentioned being adopted. Gotcha. I'm with you now. Adopted. So, but he, that's even true in today's world. If you adopt a child, you're never disinherited, just like you are with God. Thank you. I was, I was, I was, I was hoping there was a positive spin at the end of this. <laughs> Bible lesson for the day. Uh, let's do verses eight to eleven. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raised the dead. He has delivered us from such a daily peril and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. You remember in the First Corinthians, and, and, and this, this uh, First Corinthians was probably written in the spring, and this one was probably written in the fall. Okay, so they're, they're roughly the same year, different parts of the year. Do you remember in the first letter that Paul says, I, I hope to come to you, can't wait to see you? He never went to go see him. Uh, thing, things happened, life happened, ministry happened, and now he's saying, what could have happened? Because uh, the Corinthians were a little upset, a little miffed that Paul didn't, he said he's coming. He's not coming. He didn't come. And so we get this little paragraph about, do you know why I didn't come? Let me tell you all the reasons why I didn't come. All the hardships. Now, he doesn't even go through the hardships. Uh, but there are, there are five suggestions that I found uh, in, in researching this. Um, he was fighting with wild beasts in Ephesus. There's a story about that. Uh, he was uh, in Ephesus before a Jewish court getting 39 stripes. Whips. Um, uh, there was a riot in Ephesus at the time. Uh, there was another persecution uh, around that time that, uh, that Paul might have got swept up in. Uh, Paul had a reoccurring physical uh, issue that we're not quite sure what it was, uh, but he had, he had some physical ailment that he said the Lord may or may not take away, and uh, he, he stayed with it. We were burdened beyond measure above strength, <laughs> Uh, that we despaired even of life. Whatever the problem was, it was, it was bad. Paul lived with the awareness that, you know, this, this could take me out at any time. Uh, because of the threat of death, many feel Paul's problems. It, it, it could have been persecution. could have been his physical issue. Um, in, that, in that day, uh, the Jewish folk referred to sickness as a lesser form of death. 
And if you are healing, then you are returning to life. Um, that was just the phraseology that they used. The use of the present tense uh, implies that, that the problem was still with Paul as he wrote the letter. Um, so, uh, so it is a pretty good guess that it could have been a stubborn illness or a malady. You are, I, I, thank you for saying you uh, like you did. You are helping us with prayer. Don't forget to pray for me. Don't forget to pray for us. Paul knew the value of intercessory prayer and was not shy about asking the Corinthians, uh, despite their many spiritual problems, to pray for him. Uh, they, they were really helping together with Paul when they, when they prayed for him. All right, let's flip the page. Paul's change of plans. Let's do 12 through 17, two paragraphs. Now, this is our boast. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially in our relations with you with integrity and godly sincerity. We have done so, relying not on worldly wisdom, but on God's grace. For we do not write you anything you cannot read or understand. And I hope that, as you have understood us in part, you will come to understand fully that you can boast of us just as we will boast of you in the day of the Lord Jesus. Because I was confident of this, I wanted to visit you first so that you might benefit twice. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and then, ha and then to have you send me on my way to Judea. Was I fickle when I intended to do this? Or do I make my plans in a worldly manner so that the same, in the same breath I say both yes, yes, and no, no? Okay. In, in, in this section, Paul defends himself against the accusation that he is fickle and unreliable. Uh, here he simply states that he has a clear conscience before God and trusts that the Corinthian Christians understand that life happens. Have you ever had to make a promise to your kid that you had to break later on? Yeah. Life happens. I remember we were going to go once go on a trip this way, and then um, a family member passed away, and we had to change the plans, and the kids were like, but you said we can go this. I'm like, it wasn't my intention. I, I am sorry that Grandma had to pass away and ruin your day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's too bad that Grandma's passing had such an inconvenience on your life. Um, that, was, that was putting it kind of harshly to a kid, but you know what? Life happens. Death happens. You know, it just, yeah, reality happens. Uh, sometimes things just have to say. So you just got to be careful like, uh, hey, Dad, can we do this? Like, I hope so. We'll do our best. That's, that's kind of our language that we use now. Um, the Corinthian Christians, they were, you know, we, th we think Paul's the only guy coming in and out of their lives. There were other ministers as well, going in and out, uh, preaching the good word. And a lot of uh, shysters were also out there. 
who were proclaiming the word uh, and then taking the offering and then skedaddling, if you will. Or, I'm happy to pray for you, but you got to pay up. Uh, hey, I'm, hey, I'm happy to give the word as long as there's supper. You know, there's always, there's always those little guys out there. And so he's like, Paul's, I think, I think Paul's saying, I am not like these shysters that you might find out there in the world. Uh, I try to do everything with sincerity, uh, with, with godly wisdom, uh, with integrity. I don't write to you anything that you cannot read or understand. Some of these shysters were saying that uh, this is what the Lord says, and they give their gibbly gook, and no one can understand what they're saying or, or what they mean, or they're writing in a different language. That, uh, you know, we speak in tongues, but this is what the Lord says. Give me my money. Like, Paul's just saying, it's easy. It's simple. Love. Um, if anyone comes to you and says, ah, you're, you're never going to get it. Just, just believe what I say. Uh, do that to your pastors today too, by the way. Uh, if, if for whatever reason my preaching gets a little weird, let me know. Or a little too highfalutin. Let me know. I try to put the cookies on the shelf so we all could reach them, if that makes sense. Does that metaphor work? Yeah, I think that metaphor works. All right. Uh, but but they, the, this church, they became cynical. They believed that everyone had bad motives and was out for personal pain, uh, gain and power. Um, and you know, we can't trust Paul either because uh, they were just getting a little cynical. Uh, Paul wanted the Corinthian Christians to know he had no hidden, hidden meetings in his letters. Uh, they're just right out on top for all to see. There's no secret messages. There's no uh, deeper things to find. It's, the words are just as plain as you can say. Uh, yeah, in the last chapter, two chapters ago, I guess. Nope, last chapter uh, of the last book. Paul promised to see the Corinthians after his trip through Macedonia. He changed his plans and decided to see them first on his way to Macedonia, think, think uh, another part of Greece, and then on his way back to give them a second benefit. Uh, he did make his first visit on the way to Macedonia, but it was both painful for him and the Corinthians because it was just full of confrontation. Um, yeah, and uh, we'll get this next week. Uh, at the beginning of chapter 2, it says, um, so I made up my mind that I would not make another painful visit to you. Uh, he already made one. It did not go so well. And, uh, and there, was, there was, like I said, another letter in there that uh, has been lost to time. Uh, yeah, sometimes life just gets in the way. Uh, Paul because the first visit was so unpleasant and sensing no benefit to a second visit, Paul abandoned his plan to see them on the way back. So he sent Titus from Ephesus to Corinth with this letter. Um, or with a letter, not this one, with a, with a letter. Uh, we'll get that next chapter as well. Some scholars consider this letter to be the severe letter uh, that was lost. We, t we don't know what it says, but Paul must have gave them a really big finger wagging. Uh, Paul left Ephesus later, suffered his affliction in Asia. 
He then went to Macedonia, did other things, collected and a collection for the needy Christians in Judea. Um, later on from Macedonia, Paul wrote this letter, 2 Corinthians, when he heard about more problems in Corinth. Uh, help you on my way. And then have you send me on my way to Judea. This acknowledged that there's an ancient custom of, of, of when, a, when a traveler is on their way to come see you, you go out many a mile to find them and bring them into the city or bring them into your home. And when they leave, you travel with them for many a mile and then you, you see them on their way. Uh, now we just do it at the door, don't we? Like, yeah, shut the door. Uh, but back then, hospitality required a, a, much, a much higher standard. Paul was criticized as a man who could not decide on his plans or carry on through, uh, through with a plan. And his enemies among the Christians in Corinth seized on these circumstances to make Paul look as bad as he could. Yeah. They were trying to blame Paul for their disappointment. Uh, but Paul's saying, uh, you know, check my heart, uh, check the circumstance. Sometimes life happens. Yes, Linda Murphy. <laughs> I was a single mother for years. And um, I started with my kids being single when I taught on the reservation. And my daughter was three and my son was six. And then we moved to Winnemucca two years later. And um, Winnemucca was a whole nother bunch of problems. Regular Anglo community, um, regular school, things were, were much different than they had been on the reservation because on the reservation, being a teacher, you were part of the entertainment. For, like we did movies and we did all kinds of stuff for the community. And we got to Winnemucca, and, and things started to change. And I was, I was a little frustrated because I had, I had worked myself through that reservation thing, and I could always take the kids with me. Well, now I couldn't always take the kids with me. So in my frustration, I called my brother one night, and I said, I'm really having trouble because I make a decision, and then it's wrong. And he says, well, is there a reason why you have to make that decision instantaneously? And there was none other than that was the way my parents had done that. And he said, you really don't have to do that. It's okay to say, we'll think about this for 30 minutes, 45 minutes. He said, set the timer and then come together and talk about what the decision is. That helped me get through so many problems, but that had not been my example. And times change, and sometimes the way you make decisions change. And it still works today with Dave. <laughs> was, was, was there a cultural component to that of reservation time and reservation <clears throat> life? My understanding of reservation life is, hey, we're, we, we need to make a decision, and it'll sit for a long time. Well, it can. It can sit, but as mom, I thought I needed to make a decision now, and it needed to be black and white, and that was not true. I, I just didn't, yeah. 
I didn't have that thinking upstairs at that point in time. And actually, that reservation time worked kind of good. You know, put that off a little while. And one of the things that people, and, and the way the reservation time, I think, got started was back when people didn't have clocks. So they would get there about whatever time they thought they should be there. Yep. Different world than my German upbringing of follow the clock, follow the clock, no matter what the clock says. Um, I spent uh, part, of, part of seminary, I lived in the backyard in a tent on a reservation uh, uh, from, a, from a, a local leader and pastor working in that area. I was trying to get cultural competency in, in reservation life, and it was, hey, you want to you wanna go, you wanna go down here? Like, yeah, let's go. And there, it had to be like a, a, a collective moment of when everyone's ready to go, we'll go. You're, um, yeah, uh, it, it was a learning experience. Uh, I, st I still have a problem at, at, at my house. My, my mom makes fun of me. When she comes out, uh, we'll have supper. And I get up to start doing the dishes, and she's like, just sit and talk for a while. Like, where, where do you have to be? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just used to eat dishes, eat dishes, eat dishes. Uh, we're, we're chatting. Sit down. We'll, we'll get to it collectively. Let's do verses 18 to the end. But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. I call God as my witness, and I stake my life on it, that it was in order to spare you that I did not return to Corinth. Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy, because it is by faith you stand firm. As God is faithful, so we were faithful in what we said to you. Um, Paul did not say yes and mean no or say no and mean yes. He meant what he said, but life got in the way. Um, sometimes when people say yes, you know they mean no, right? Yeah. Um, or when they say no, they mean... Uh, sometimes you get that sense from people of... Of uh, yeah, you're not, you're not really sincere in what you say. Uh, Paul's like, I we we are sincere, which is why he went through the hardship paragraph that we that we read read earlier. Um, I think what Paul's saying here, the the, the mess, how to say it, the message affects the messenger. Uh, Paul cannot so sincerely and so strongly preach a Jesus uh, who is not yes and no and be untouched. By that Christ. Jesus, Jesus says yes. 
for all the promises of God that are in him and, in, and, and his amen, um, Jesus says yes to us. And Paul wants to, Paul wants to say yes, I want to be all things to all people. That's, that's, that's his hope. Uh, anointed, sealed, a guarantee. Um, uh, just about out of time. I don't know what to get to. Uh, Paul is taking a serious oath. While Jesus that we should live our lives in such a way that oaths are not necessary, it does not mean that oaths are prohibited. <laughs> um, I call God as my witness, and I stake my life on it, that I didn't come because you, it, it would not have turned out good, uh, just like my last visit. Uh, but I love this last line that I want to get to. Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy. We work with you. I think uh, other versions of the Bible, if anyone's got other versions, does it say fellow worker? Is that where it says fellow worker? We are fellow workers with you. Was it last week or two weeks ago that we talked about uh, what, a, what a house church looks like? Where, where there were people who just, they, they, they didn't have so much like a, a, an in-house pastor to run things. The church just gathered. And they, they ate and they, they, they sang songs and they, they gave, everyone gave devotionals who wanted to give a devotional. Uh, nowadays we kind of have, you know, we have the pastor or we have the elder. There's kind of a leader of a, of a place. Uh, Sunday, I, I, I meant what I said when we celebrated those who are on committees. This, this is your church. Um, and you all get a vote. If you're a member of this church, you get to vote on how, how, how a lot of things get done. Uh, you all get to vote on the budget. You all get to vote on who's on uh, certain teams and committees on the direction of, of this place. And uh, I am a fellow worker, as it would say in the King James, I think. We work with you for your joy. Uh, because it is by faith you stand, you stand firm. I don't lord it over you. Paul's saying he doesn't lord it over the Corinthians. Uh, they're their own thing. But we work with you for your joy. And then, uh, yeah, we are a week and a half away from Christmas, if you could believe it. I know. One service on Christmas Eve in the morning at 10 o'clock. If you're there at 9.30, the choir will grab you and help. You can sing with the choir if you're there early. Uh, 10 o'clock service. And then that night, 5, 7, and 11. I'm preaching the 5 and the 7, and Jen's got, got the 11. Thank you. May the God that brought us together go with you now and forevermore that as we celebrate these, these studies in this Advent season, may the Christ child be found. The Christ child who brings hope, peace, joy, and love. And the family of God said, Amen. All right. See you tomorrow or Sunday. Thank you.